What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You're listening to the Destiny Show Podcast, part of the Robots Radio Network, live on Twitch every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Robots Radio presents... Hello Guardians and welcome to the Destiny Show Podcast. I am your host Cornholio and welcome to another episode of the Destiny Show. We are talking about clans today and clans and destiny. We're also going to dive into the last word exotic hand cannon. We're going to review that tonight. We're going to talk about the upcoming changes to clans and destiny, the state of clans, and much more on today's episode of the Destiny Show Podcast. I want to welcome my co-host on the show, as always, Shadow Price. Welcome. What's going on, guys? Another exciting week. We just finished up with uh, a little game called Anthem. There was a demo that came out recently, and everybody's been playing that. So I did get a chance to play that a little bit, and we will talk about that a little bit later on in the show. Same. Yeah, I played a little bit of that. I even tried out Apex Legends yesterday, the new uh, free-to-play Battle Royale game from Respawn Entertainment. Uh, The folks that did Titanfall. Interesting game. I haven't played that one. I heard it was a Battle Royale from Titanfall team. Yep. didn't know too much more about it. How was it? Was it fun? Um, the shooting is really good. The shooting feels nice, and it, I, I can't kill anything. 
it seems like everybody who's in there is like super good right now. Already, <clears throat> so, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because the game is taken off right now. Like, it's a lot of people are watching it on Twitch. Like, it's it's been surpassing Fortnite's numbers for the past few days now. Didn't get a chance to check out the game uh, Apex. What's it called? Apex Legends. Yes. Okay. But I will check it out at some point, maybe later this week. I still want to play Resident Evil 2. Um, I hear so many awesome things about that game, so that's going to be my next game to check out after I'm done playing Destiny and I got my Jotun and Thousand Voices. Hopefully yeah, I got to get back to Resident Evil 2, too. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, we also have on the show, I Love Your Movies. He is actually a clan member of IGN. Hey, what's up, guys? What How's is up, movies? Not too much. Uh, just kind of freezing today. I got a lot of snow where I live at, so uh, it's been an interesting day. It must have moved its way from uh, northeast or northwest in Seattle and uh, moved its way over to you guys. Yeah, like. that's exactly what it did, yes. Because, <laughs> yeah, they had a snow day at um, Bungie yesterday, I believe it yep. was. They can't handle the snow up there in Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I love your movies. He is a member of the IGN clan for the Destiny game on PC. He's been playing Destiny since the Destiny 2 PC version came out. And he joined the IGN clan shortly after, and as soon as we joined the IGN clan, we've been playing with him ever since, and he's just a really great person and a really uh, awesome guy to play with. And movies, I gotta ask, how did you get your name? So, um, a long time ago there was a bunch of G.I. Joe PSAs. Um, that made its way around the internet and these guys kind of did little voiceovers and, and cut things together. And there was one specific one that uh, I can't remember the GI Joe character. He was the guy that was in the big, uh, diving suit. And, um, he came up out of the, it was the one where the, the kid was, you know, out boating and there was a thunderstorm and he comes out of the water to basically tell the kids to, you know, get out of the water essentially. But because he's in a giant water suit, he just sounds like me, 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 me. And they can't actually say any words. And the kid's like talking for him and, and he ends up calling him Buzz Lightyear. And as he gets closer, he leans over and says, are you Buzz, are you Buzz Lightyear? I love your movies. So <laughs> that's where I came from. So if you've ever seen it before, uh, definitely check it out. It's pretty hilarious. Uh, and there's a bunch of them that are really funny. And uh, usually nobody knows what that reference is from, uh, but I actually did run into one guy in the wild in, in Destiny. Uh, he's still on my friends list, and he just randomly, you know, local chatted and said, "Hey, is that from the GI Joe PSA?" And I'm like, "It is." So it was kind of interesting to find somebody else that has a weird humor uh, as I do. So there was a like a tie-in with Toy Story because of the whole Buzz Lightyear thing. Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Very clever. That is really clever indeed. Very cool. It, yeah, I ended up doing that one when I when I first got onto Twitch. I I, I started using that name because uh, it was better than my old name. <laughs> Very cool. And how did you get started with Destiny? So um, I I mean I was interested in Destiny One, but I'm a, a PC only. I haven't you know had a console since it like Xbox. 
Um, and kind of a, a lot of games during that time period did that, you know, tease like, we might come to PC, maybe, possibly, and then they didn't. Um, I was actually really excited because it kind of reminded me of, of Borderlands, which was one of the big games that I played a long time. It was kind of like Borderlands, you know, got together with Halo and had a baby. It's kind of what it made me think of. So I was actually excited to play Destiny 1, uh, but because it didn't come to PC, I never did. Uh, so when Destiny 2 came around and they finally said, yes, it's coming on on PC, I was actually pretty excited. Uh, had a lot of coworkers that uh, had played Destiny 1 that were uh, interested and we were going to play together, and which we did. At initial launch, um, but they they kind of quickly fell off, like a lot of people did, unfortunately. So I uh, started doing LFG. Um, ended up getting to LFG raid with uh, another clan member, uh, Chrismo. Um, we played a couple times and ended up just kind of staying in touch and ended up uh, just kind of playing randomly together. We just kind of kept each other's contact information, and then uh, Chrismo actually helped me get into the IGN clan. Uh, I also played with uh, Fran a few times randomly on stream, and so just kind of my name got out there, and luckily enough, I, I was able to get in. <clears throat> That's uh, Fran Mirabella the uh, third, if anybody was listening. <laughs> yes, the man with the hair, with the impeccable yes. hair. The best hair in the industry. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> and for anyone who does not know, what is IGN? Is this like a factory? Like, what what is this? Um, what do they I, do? I think. I think they get paid by publishers to do reviews that uh, are slightly um, in, in their favor. I think that's what they are. <laughs> at least that's, that's what they always get accused of, at least. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, everybody knows what IGN is. You know, definitely a great uh, source for gaming news. Um, uh, I think it's, I think it's one of those, if you actually are in the community and you know guys like Destin and CJ and, and Fran, you really get to see the human side of uh, of IGN, which a lot of people don't. A lot of people just interact with the website and, and the forums, and, and and they throw shade at IGN. Uh, but I would say I would encourage you check out their streams. You know, it, they really are the that human side of, of the the gaming industry, and uh, I think you'll gain a lot more respect for the company if if you do. Yeah, very true. Because I I met Destin and Fran in person when I went down to GuardianCon in 2016. I talked to Fran for about 15 minutes. What a great, what a great human being. Like, yeah. he, he's just, he's so genuine and warm and he just adds so much to the conversation and he's just so positive. He, he's a, he's a good guy. And, and Destin's pretty cool too. Yeah. Destin can get a little heated in PVP. But he, he, oh, yeah, he gets, yeah. He gets salty, but he's still, yeah. he has passion for the game. I can tell. He, he definitely does. Yeah. I don't, I don't think they get enough credit for what they really do. Yeah, definitely. And I've I've played with those guys, and I have a ton of respect for them, uh, especially guys like Destin, who was able to complete Scourge of the Past on the first day. That's major props. You know, mm-hmm. you look on the outside, and you just see the articles that they release or the videos that they come out with, which are all awesome pieces of content with their own unique perspectives on the game. But people don't realize that these guys really put their heart and soul into playing these games and into being prepared for the new content that's dropping. And they put so much time and effort into everything they do, and I I have a ton of respect for them for that. Yeah, and Fran's gone on to work with Kind of Funny now, too, and he's killing it over there at Kind of Funny. 
He's uh, host been he's hosted kind of funny games daily the past, the past couple times this week, and he's been making appearances on the kind of funny games cast. And I think it's been a great addition to the to the team. Yes, he he's a really great guy, and I've I've enjoyed playing with him as well. He's he's a really awesome down to earth person, and also I always enjoy his uh, streams. He does have a Twitch channel at uh, I believe it's FM three underscore. If I'm yep. not mistaken. Yep. So yep. you guys definitely check him out. He's really awesome, and he streams a lot of Fortnite recently. I've noticed he has checked out the Anthem game as well, which who hasn't, right? Everybody's checked out the new Anthem game. Yeah, he played quite a bit of the Anthem demo. So I, I, I checked out a few of his streams and and uh, kind of stopped yeah. by and said help. <laughs> I had a lot of issues with Anthem on my computer, so I didn't really get in and play with him too much. <laughs> I had a problem with it myself as well because I have dual monitors and one of the monitors has a problem with the HDR setting and it seems to automatically by default put the HDR on and I can't Mm. seem to turn it off and the entire screen would like flicker. Really annoying. Before we moved on to the next uh, uh, thing, um, movies, you said you had an Xbox, correct? (laughs) Yes. Did you play... Uh, any Bungie games before? Any Halo or anything like that on your Xbox? Uh, Halo 1 and 2. I played both of those. Um, awesome. It was one of those uh, you know, great memories because it's, it's that real first kind of like, you know, couch co-op experience. Uh, um, and like I, I remember just teaming up in some of those things in like Halo 2. Um, there was just a lot of action, a lot of fun, just a lot of innovation during that time period that was along with halo um so yeah Halo 2 was great not not only the campaign was great the multiplayer was great the map design was great like everything was awesome about that game halo reach is my my favorite playing firefights that was so much fun yeah the firefight hours Mm -hmm. that was in my opinion the true definition of end game content being able to play firefights and they took you 30 minutes in, in you know time length and we didn't really complain about that did we? we because we enjoyed playing these activities and the further you progressed the better the drops you got and the, go more diffi- to... the more difficult yeah. it got too and the difficulty ramped right up we really need to go back to this system Bungie if you are listening we love you but please Bring some of that back. And movies, do you have a favorite weapon in Destiny? Um, this one was a, a tough one. I was thinking about this one. Um, it, I, I've had a lot of different weapons that I've gone through. Um, if you would have talked to me a few months ago, I probably would have said, um, you know, better devils because I'm a big hand cannon person. I had three, three better devils, and each one of them had over twenty thousand kills on them. Um, so I, I used it quite a bit, but I think I'm going to say, which will probably be not everybody's first one they would think about, but it's actually the midnight coup is my favorite weapon. Uh, I'm really about that, that workhorse, um, no matter what build I'm using or what scenario I'm using, the, the coup just works. It, it's, it's kind of weird because you can almost use it as like a sniper. <laughs> if you kind of slow down your shots and, and really aim it up, you can hit things from across the map and, and do a lot of damage till, my my one and only coup. I got it as a raid drop. I didn't get the uh, 
the as Tefty Teft, he always kind of talks about people who bought their coup from the vendor. Mm-hmm. This was my actual coup that dropped, and it was much later. And I've I still have already over like forty thousand kills on just that uh, that midnight coup alone. Uh, so it's it's that every situation it just works, and I think that's why uh, I've got that special bond with it. So yeah. it's a blue collar weapon for sure. It, yes, it really is. So, um, it, anything that steps in front of it, it'll it'll put it down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've been really enjoying the blast furnace since uh, Black Armory came out. I've been using it a lot. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I've been using that quite a bit uh, more in you know strikes and things like that, um, kind of giving that that safety range. But I, I got a really nice drop with. Uh, with rampage, uh, and uh, it's got uh, range for the masterwork, so it's uh, rampage and outlaw on it, so it rips pretty hard. I still find like just the the kill time with the coup is just hard to beat. Yeah, the midnight coup is awesome, and I remember a very specific time in Destiny when me and Shadow Price were playing uh, the Leviathan raid on Prestige and. We were playing on the bathers part, right? Remember that? Mm-hmm. And I was I was really struggling. I was really struggling staying alive because the ads were kicking my ass. And so finally he was like, dude, switch to a midnight coup. And I did. And it completely changed the entire experience for me because I was actually able to do damage and kill things. And it felt like a very stable weapon. And it had extra perks that you were granted on the Leviathan raid. So that was even another plus. And I, I didn't take it off my character ever since. About the coup is those perks work in synergy, like with each other, you know, Rampage and what is it, Outlaw? Rampage, Outlaw, and what was the other perk on that? I know I had Rampage and Outlaw. <laughs> I'm not it's, sure what the other one Yeah, it's got a, it's a smooth grip. And there, there's a couple different barrels that you can use uh, uh, that work just work really well with each other. So it, it's one of those guns that just kind of finds headshots. And mm-hmm. as long as you're keeping your headshots going, it, it's it's almost it's like a machine gun. You can just keep firing and firing, and the reloads are so fast with Outlaw that it uh, it just does work. You would have really liked the Fatebringer then from Destiny 1 movies. <laughs> okay, so here are the perks for uh, Midnight Coup. You have lightweight frame, small born, corkscrew rifling, extended barrel, rampage, ambitious assassin, and ah, outlaw. That's more ambitious assassin. That was the perk I was thinking of. Yeah, uh, the lightweight frame is actually a big a big thing as well. Um, people underestimate how how much it makes a difference in your in your movement speed, uh, especially when you're you know running through a trying to run through a, a, a strike. Um, Anytime I feel like I'm moving slow, I'm like, oh, let me switch to my coup and, <laughs> and let's let's go. Uh, so the, I actually look for lightweight frame on a lot of weapons. Yeah, I feel since Forsaken came out, I kind of stopped using it as much because new weapons came out that were interesting. I've been making more of an effort to try out new weapons in the game. Yeah, Ace of Spades was definitely one that uh, was a contender to to unseat my uh, midnight coup. <laughs> Uh, that's definitely a fun weapon to use. You know what? If you don't have the, uh, what is that gun? Not Forgotten or the uh, Lunas Howl, 
you better have an ace of spades if you're in comp. Yeah. Or last word now. Mm-hmm. Very true. Or the last word. That's what I've been using. And we will be talking more about the last word later on in the show. So very cool. And movies, do you have a favorite activity in Destiny? So um, I am one of those people that I just enjoy everything, just get out there and just playing and shooting and enjoying the mechanics. Uh, but if I was to narrow it down to one specific activity, I probably would say uh, Nightfalls and, and Strikes. I think that it's one of those unique activities that gives you the ability to kind of have a layer of strategy uh, when you're trying to min-max and, and do you know speed runs and things like that, which you kind of have some of that in the raid, but a lot of the mechanics in the raid kind of force you into a specific strategy, whereas with Nightfalls, depends on your team comp and things like that that make you come up with new strategies and make things work even better. Uh, so it kind of gives you that that ability to get in there with your fingers and say, okay, we're going to try this one thing and see if that works well. Uh, it also is one of the few activities that really gives you that opportunity to farm for weapons and, in a lot of cases, really good weapons. Um, and you can make them as difficult as you want to. I mean, having that Nightfall card is, is kind of fun. Um, and I, I've seen a lot of people on streams where they're like, hey, let's, let's do this crazy card combo and make it really difficult on ourselves. So it kind of gives that that flexibility. One other thing I think I, I like about strikes as well is it kind of gives you an opportunity to showcase the actual unique skills in each class. Um, a lot of the game tends to be, you know, just about, you know, this character's DPS, you know, I've, I've got this particular skill, but like, for example, doing like this week, the strange terrain, you know, it's one of those where the, the warlock actually becomes invaluable because you can put down a rift with you know, faction boots and you can one-phase the boss. So that's a unique skill that only the Warlock can do. And it kind of, when a lot of the skill sets of the, the classes kind of feel the same, it really comes can shine and, and see those differences when you're in the Nightfall. Yeah, it's really fun to be able to melt the boss. Like, yeah. you can, like, struggle through or just, you know, you're getting bombarded by ads throughout, and, you know, sometimes you have to, like, you know, strategize with who's going to take down this shield with your, you know, elemental weapon and things like that. But then when you get the boss, it's like, all right, let's go. Let's melt this bad boy. (laughs) What I like about Nightfalls is the fact that you get a chance to expose yourself to a wide variety of areas in the game. It's not Mm -hmm. just you spending, you know, 20 minutes doing a boss fight in one particular place. You're always moving to different places, traveling to different locations to get to that final boss fight. And it's a very special fight, especially during that first time that you do it, right? Because you've never done it before, so you don't really know the mechanics, and then you wipe. And Nightfalls can be pretty unforgiving, right? Before we were leveled up to where (laughs) we're kind of overpowered now, Mm -hmm. but when Nightfalls just came out... They were pretty challenging, and I really love that challenge and being able to play these activities that transform over time into activities you can even farm and get weapons and armor from. And I think it's also um, a little easier to get into because it's a it's a, a three-person activity as opposed to like a six-person for like a raid. So it's a lot easier to get a couple people together and, and run them. It's one of the 
one of the few places where the, the the matchmaking actually doesn't hurt you as much. I've had some interesting experiences with uh, in in a raid <laughs> where it gives a few randoms in and comes with challenges, we'll say. <laughs> so it's it's one of those things that you can kind of get in, really kind of flex your strategic muscles, have a lot of fun, and still get something valuable out of it in a relative you know small amount of time. So. Yeah, and it's also pretty cool that you can go in and you play with people who you've never played before and they have strategies that you've never tried before. Like, we went into the Nakras Nightfall the other week and we pretty much used Wardcliff Coil to melt down Nakras in one phase. That was pretty cool. Discovering new ways for you to complete an activity. Yeah, like out there in like shadows, like you can just like melt that boss too. Usually with like melting point, and and apparently now um, the, uh, the Legends of Acarius, since they got buffed by fifty percent their damage. Yeah, I'm hearing really good things about Legend of Acarius, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I definitely want to get back to the Leviathan and get my catalyst for that. I am down to do that. I would totally be down to do that. I actually enjoyed the Leviathan raid. I I think that it was fun. I do think that it was not what we expected for the first raid to come out in the new game in Destiny 2. But I think it was really fun though. Now, movies. So what game did you play before you played Destiny? I know you mentioned Ghost Recon and you mentioned Borderlands. Yeah, the game that I was uh, playing like immediately before I started playing Destiny was Ghost Recon Wildlands. Uh, before that was Division. Um, I'm always playing Borderlands 2 at some point. Uh, I have friends that every once in a while will hit me up and say, hey, let's hop in there. Um, definitely a big you know, kind of looter shooter, and I enjoy, I enjoy the RPG mechanics overall. Um, some games can go a little too far with RPG for my taste, um, but... Uh, I kind of like Borderlands had just enough in it uh, to keep the game interesting and really uh, make you want to put in those hours. I think I had something over like over 2,000 hours in Borderlands 2 uh, by the time I was done with it. And I had built out all seven characters. And, and it was really that you know, the uniqueness of no two builds were the same because of all the different uh, perks and things like that that you could build up. Yeah, I think uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands was also a little underrated. Um, it actually is a really fun game, and surprisingly a really fun game to solo, but even more fun when you actually have a group of four. And a lot of things that they did really well in that game, uh, including PvP, surprisingly. And I, I think that's something that I didn't expect, because they, they weren't even planning on putting PvP in the game from, from launch. Um, but the community really cried out for it, and the, it's really unique because it's very much more strategic. Um, they did build out where it's a class-based type system, which you kind of have to uh, to make it make sense when you have a, as diverse of builds as you could have uh, to make it kind of balanced. You kind of have to have those classes to go in there, uh, but they still felt uh, they still felt good, and it was very much it, it wasn't like a run and gun. You couldn't really do like COD and just kind of run around shooting things. You really, you really had to. If you poked your head out, you would get shot, <laughs> and you wouldn't make it very long. Uh, so I actually really enjoyed it for that because um, each uh, clash really felt like what you were playing. So if you were a sniper, 
you were a sniper. You were sneaking around the map. You were you know, finding a perch up on top of a hill. And if people found out where you were perched at, you would get punished for it. So it uh, it was a really unique experience. What was the uh, what was the game the shooters before Borderlands that was a looter shooter? What was the looter shooters before Borderlands? To me, that was the first one, really. Um, yeah, I can't really think of anything before that. Uh, and and I mean, most people do attribute that that combination to you know Gearbox uh, for kind of coming up with that concept. A lot of people don't realize that, and I've never seen that the original Borderlands game was supposed to be a lot different than it came out being. It was supposed to be like more realistic graphics. I um, saw that at Spike TV, the original trailer on Spike TV mm-hmm. for Borderlands. Yeah, it was. It was supposed to be more realistic, but it ended up being more animated. Yeah. So. <clears throat> and there's, I mean, there's a lot of people that, um, they're diehard Borderland one fans and there's the diehard borderland 2 and they usually don't cross paths <laughs> uh, but i think with the first one the attraction is there was a lot more of the you know ability to kind of customize your build because there was a lot more specific perks on each uh, weapon uh, so those really diehard rpg people loved the first game a lot more whereas i kind of like borderlands 2 more because it's you still had that, but it was it wasn't where you had to manage that. Um, the first one kind of felt like that's all you did all day was work a spreadsheet to figure out your character's powers and stuff. And plus, I think the the overall interface was way better in the second one. So, yeah, I didn't play much of the first one. I played more of the second one, so I don't <clears throat> I don't really have much to say about the first one. I think Cornholio does though, because I think he played a lot of the first one. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Me and uh, Mr. Swirly actually played it together quite a bit. We played through the entire game multiple times. And we played through some of the DLC as well. The Claptrap DLC? <laughs> Claptrap, yeah. Yeah. Um, I did actually also pick up the complete collection of Borderlands 2 on the PC and on PSVR, which that's not very good experience in my opinion um i much prefer to play shooting games you know with a keyboard and mouse or a controller one of the two but vr it just turning sideways it makes you very nauseous and when you like look down it's not a good experience in my opinion but uh the game itself awesome awesome game really amazing game yeah, I actually played Des- or not Destiny, uh, Borderlands two before I played the first one. I went back and played the first one um, because I like I had seen a lot of game footage and things like that, and I was like, eh, I don't know, I don't know if that's my cup of tea. But then when Borderlands two came out, I kind of saw the the upgrades to the interface and a lot of the changes that occurred, and um, I actually got into it late, but. Uh, once I got into it, I was pretty hooked, and then I ended up picking up uh, the, uh, the first game on a, one of those Steam sales, and and actually really enjoyed it. So it, it was interesting to see some of the backstory behind the characters that made it into the the second game. It's amazing when you play through the first one after playing the second one, the graphics really evolve. Oh yeah, in, in that time, it's pretty amazing. The, the graphics and even the the gun, the the mechanics, just the. Yeah. The shooting feels completely different. And then there was uh, also the pre-sequel, correct? Have you played that one? 
I did. Um, it definitely did not get a good reception. Um, I'd, I think I still put uh, about 400 hours into the pre-sequel because I, I really enjoyed the different characters. I think what it didn't capture me was the fact that it was made by 2K Australia and you the writing just wasn't wasn't quite there. It was still Borderlands as far as the humor, but it was like Australian humor and a lot of it, I think a lot of people had a hard time kind of getting into it just from a story and and humor side. Uh, I think it was still good, but it just didn't have that, you know, 2000 hours good. <laughs> Um, but they had some really unique, um, what, what they called the, the butt stomp, where you could you know, flap in the air and then slam down and kill things. Um, so some really good new mechanics that were a lot of fun. And I think that's what kept me more engaged than anything else, because uh, they had the ice weapons and things like that. So overall, I think I think 2K did a really good job with it, but it, it just didn't quite hit the mark uh, as for what people were wanting next. Now, did you have a favorite expansion in Borderlands that you enjoyed the most? They had quite a few expansions. Yeah, wow. I don't even know if I remember all the names of them. <laughs> um, you had a Tiny I, Tina one, that's about it. Yeah. yeah, Tiny Tina was... I think Tiny Tina was probably the... the oh, yeah, actually, the Torg one was pretty amazing, too. Torg is probably my favorite character just because he's so ridiculous he screams all the time yeah i think uh, i think tiny tina was probably one of the most creative expansions i've ever played in a game for them to take a game like borderlands 2 and essentially turn it into a tabletop game Dungeons uh, and dragon style right? yeah yeah exactly it, yeah. it was it was a really unique experience and and especially for the the cost i think it was it was only like 10 bucks or something like that and you got hours of play out of that thing and it was it was almost its own separate game so introduced a lot of really cool stuff in that um so it's hard to ignore that one as probably one of the best expansions um i will say that the there was actually a claptrap expansion in the pre-sequel that was pretty freaking amazing actually the concept was that you were inside of claptrap's mind and uh, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> I have like the full, the, the game of the year edition that has all those DLCs. How do you access them? Do you have to beat the game first? To you don't, but it starts at a level that kind of has that expectation of you having leveled up your character quite a bit. Uh, so it, it's oh, okay. it's a little tough if you go on there straight away. Gotcha. Yeah. I think with uh, with the expansions, they have like a certain light level or that you need to have in order to not get destroyed in like one shot. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> and if you go into those areas, I mean, you can go in and you can get power leveled if you choose to play that way, which I don't recommend, by the way, but very under leveled. So you need to play through more of the story. Once you get to, I would say, towards the two-thirds of the game that's where you start to be able to play the end game stuff and the dlcs so did either of you get uh do op in borderlands 2 no i did not it was a really unique concept um and it definitely kind of helped that end game um so you for anyone that's unfamiliar it's op is for overpowered 
and it was uh, kind of a horde mode uh, type thing where you could get your weapons specifically up to eight levels above your your player level. So it was kind of a means to make yourself still more effective as far as like killing. As far as taking damage, your character was still the same, but you could put out a lot more damage if you had an OP8 weapon. Uh, so it was just kind of a fun way to extend the, the play and really build out your character still. So it was, it was a unique experience that I haven't really seen in any other game. Should they bring something like that to Destiny? <laughs> I think it would be interesting. I, I don't know if their their current infrastructure would really work for it, though. It's it, It'd be hard to see how that would translate into the way they kind of have their character designs built out. I think you have to have a little more flexibility in in your perks and things like that to make it make sense. Yeah. It would be interesting for the next Destiny, maybe Destiny 3. Because you got to remember, people like Luke Smith, they have a background in Warcraft and other big RPG games. So it, it will be interesting to see what influence they bring to the table now that Activision is no longer in the picture. Yeah, I was always kind of surprised, kind of knowing the background of a lot of those people, that there wasn't more RPG in it. And I wonder if that is is them kind of trying to attract a specific audience, or if they're just wanting to try something different, or, or kind of what led to the current design decisions. I think a little bit of both. I think pressure from Activision. I yeah. think trying something different and... Um, yeah, just a combination of those uh, ideas. Now, movies, what are your impressions of the annual pass so far? So when I think about the annual pass, I kind of think of it in in, in two two ways, both the value and also kind of like a, on a scale of one to ten, how do I how do I feel about it? So far, from a value perspective. I, I think it's definitely been worth it so far. Um, I think they put a lot of work into it. Uh, they did bring a lot of new concepts into it. Um, so the price you paid for the annual pass, I think um, we've already got our money's worth so far, and we've got more to come at this point. Uh, so from just a value standpoint, I think they did a great job. Um, from like a 1 to 10 scale, um, honestly, I'd probably put it around a, a 6 out of 10, honestly. Because if, I mean, if you think about it, you know we've got the arm, the forges, you know Black Armory, we've got New Raid, and then we have the Exotic Quest, which is Last Word. I think they Black Armory was good in its concept. The execution was a little questionable, and I think that's something that has pretty much been echoed across the community that the grind. It wasn't a satisfying grind. It was just a grind. The, the constant having to go back to Ada every time you did anything, just having to rehash the same activities over and over again, which for me, I enjoy the gunplay itself, so I don't mind that. But when your main source of farming is through the forge and it takes you that long to even get to the point where you can even attempt to get a weapon... It, it's a little too punishing, I think. So that it kind of suffers in that regard, which what the positive side of it is, is they did some really good things with the weapons themselves. Uh, specifically, I would say the, the hammerhead. Uh, the hammerhead has been 
that one weapon that has kind of freed up your exotic slot a little bit. You don't feel as tied to doing a heavy weapon as an exotic as you did before the uh, the forge came out. It was almost like if you didn't have an exotic in your in your heavy slot, then you weren't building out your build correctly. Um, so I think that's freed it up a little bit to where we can try some of the exotic primaries and not not feel like we're suffering in, in damage and DPS. Uh, so I think that's a really positive thing that's come out of it. Um, I, we'll talk about the last word uh, quest a little bit later, but um, I, I think one of the sentiments that unfortunately has come out of it is it's a step in the right direction. And I, I feel like the overall community is kind of getting tired of saying that <laughs> with a lot of these things. Um, so I definitely enjoyed the uh, anal pass so far. But I think uh, definitely can do a little better. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I wish they had more story to it because it would mm-hmm. be more interesting to know the backstory behind Ada One without having to go into lore cards and read grimoire. So ultimately, in my opinion, I think that the annual pass is a great value for the hardcore player, like ourselves who come back to destiny on a daily basis if you do play enough destiny then i think that playing through scourge of the past and playing through the forges to get things like the blast furnace makes it worth it in my opinion then you Mm -hmm. also have the niobe labs that you are able to do and access and you do get things when you accomplish it yes they could have done a better job with your rewards and your drops but you still get something, so there is incentive for you to complete it at least one time, right? And the overall execution, too. Yes, yeah. yes. That's, that I think ultimately other. there's um, there really is that concept of value uh, of how much work you put into the game versus what you get out of it, and I think that was where Niagara Labs really kind of fell, uh, was you know a, a ghost and an emblem for that the amount of work that you had to put into that isn't really... A value in my opinion and I, I feel like there's that throughout the game ghosts with with telemetry on it aren't exciting <laughs> and it's not something that that i really look for uh, so there's a lot of places in the game where i think they really need to reevaluate how much time and effort the player has to put in and what they actually get out of it which kind of goes back to the the grind it kind of lacks that that fluidity it's you know it comes down to time effort and reward and you can kind of you can kind of punish in one to two of those areas, but if you punish in all three of them, it's just not fun for the player, and, and it kind of drives them away. And I think they're teetering on punishing in all three areas right now. So Those are good yeah. points. Yeah, because we play this game... I mean, we play it for a story, we play it for the gameplay, but we also play it for the loot, mm-hmm. the chase. So. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that if you look at how Destiny evolved through Destiny 1 and Destiny 2, I think that towards the end of Destiny 1, it really seemed like they were starting to really get it. They were embracing all of the old raids that they had in the past, bringing them back, turning them into exotic weapons. They were bringing back old weapons. They were making the game feel special. Think about the Omnigal Strike. How many times have we farmed it to get that perfect grasp of Malik? And it was a fun experience. We enjoyed doing it, and they could have the same thing in this game. 
four-hour yeah. sessions. <laughs> yeah. Well, that keeps players in the game. That keeps players engaged. Yeah, one thing I, I will definitely applaud for the Anna Pass so far, um, even though I have not had a chance to play it myself, the the raid, the Scourge of the Past, I, I like that it's... Like it still has you know the the kind of puzzle mindset, but it's almost more of a tactical. I've watched a lot of like gameplay of it, and and where you you still have that strategic kind of mindset with it. It's more like you feel like you're actually on a strike. You know, you're actually part of a uh, you know a fire team that's actually gelling together to accomplish an actual kind of military strike because you got the the map in the front of it where you're kind of get the one person that's you know calling out where the enemy is at and things like that. So instead of having the crazy puzzles like in Leviathan where you stand on one foot and throw shalt over your shoulder and, and wink twice and then the door opens. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. more of actual like gunplay and, and actual you know tactics and things like that. And I the boss completely different than anything we've seen in the game. So I definitely applaud them for for kind of going outside the box uh, for that raid and I kinda of look forward to playing it. Yeah. Yeah, we should definitely plan uh, some time and do that raid, because I would definitely enjoy playing that again. I had a lot of fun playing it, and it's very different from anything we played before. So, moving on, uh, movies, I did want to ask you one last thing before we move on to the next subject, and that is, what are you looking forward to in the next season of The Drifter that's coming, I believe, next month, if I'm not mistaken? Season of the Drifter, I'm kind of excited to see what Bungie can do with a little more time. I feel like in Black Armory, you saw a lot of recycling of things. I mean, there's a a reason why people call it Season of the Balls, (laughs) because you've done nothing but throw balls around. Ever since it was introduced, you know, in uh, Warmind, I think it was when that mechanic first came in, it's been put in everything ever since. So you constantly see, you know, in Vidox and different things where Bungie is talking about, you know, where they they need more time to make content. You know, it's hard, you know, following that like schedule. So I feel like at least if nothing else, they've had a little more time for the Drifter, and they might uh, we might see some new stuff come out. Um, hopefully, some new mechanics. Uh, I'm definitely excited for the Zero Bounties to see how exactly they're going to approach that. Uh, because I, right now, with as punishing as it is to get exotics, to have a way to be able to seek that out directly without buying it, which I think is a terrible idea. I, I want to be able to earn it by gameplay. Um, so I'm definitely excited to see how they approach that. Um, same thing with uh, the Joker's Wild quests. We don't really have any information on that. We don't really have anything that's been leaked or anything like that. So I'm just kind of curious to what that's going to look like. We got the exotic quests, which we're pretty sure is Thorn at this point. Um, but there's also another exotic quest listed in the the overall season, besides uh, the annual pass section. So two two exotics potentially. Uh, so that'll be interesting. Yeah, I'm hoping there's going to be more than two because in Black Army we got four. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hoping like it's it's nice to get like more exotics, but I hope they double down and give us, you know, at least as much as Black Armory. More exotics are always better. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of curious to see what Iron Banner is going to look like, because uh, they were talking about how they're taking the the powerful drops out of it. I'm curious to see if it's just going to be 
Iron Banner again, or if there's if they're going to try to do anything special with it. So, yeah, one of my one of my hopes is that they kind of dive into the lore of uh, the Drifter a little more, because you know, kind of following some of the the story behind the giant thing he's dragging behind his ship. I don't know if anybody's kind of dug into that a little bit. Um, it's a pretty interesting story, and it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out with the interaction between him and the Guardians in general. I, if you haven't dug into it, I, uh, My Name is Bife has a really good video about it. Uh, he also has one that's really d- dives into Ada and her mother, and that all kind of ties in together, uh, which is really interesting. But uh, the thing that's in that giant thing behind, behind his ship, I'm kind of could be a game changer. So I'm really interested to see if they, how that plays out and also how the new gambit works. If how, how much change there is going to be to the mechanics. Cause they said there's going to be new maps and also private matches and things like that. So it should be interesting. Yeah, definitely. And I'm, I'm also really excited to see what they do with the game with them, not having to focus on building a raid this time around. So I'm really interested to see what they bring us as a form of end game content and how Gambit will incorporate into it, maybe. So I'm also curious to see how they change the Crucible to make it more fun for competitive players, because obviously the competitive landscape needs a lot of love right now. People are not enjoying competitive, and that's across the board. Whether mm-hmm. you're somebody chasing after Luna's Howl, <clears throat> PvP in general, it definitely it's it's very stale right now. It needs it needs some life instilled into it. <laughs> it needs new maps, new game modes, things like that. Yeah. Maps that are more situated for six v six play, like longer range maps, and um, just yeah, overall tweaking of you know just the playlists in general and. You know, not for nothing, I mean, they really need to give us a better reason to play all of these activities. They need to have specific rewards to playing Clash, or specific rewards that you get for playing Control, for example, or Iron Banner. Everything needs to have its own unique, specific, special drops that people actually want to use that makes them stand out from everything else. And that's the problem I think Bungie is having right now. Yeah, I think there's also like a lot of wasted dep- uh, potential with Crystal Labs. I mean, when they first were talking about that, that was you know was there was some excitement around it because it was a potential for you to get in there and really try out some new modes and potentially have those rolling out quickly and just breathing new life into it on a much regular schedule. But it just kind of became this oh, there's that thing. We can go in and do some private matches and try it out and then not touch it again. So it, it kind of fell on its face, and I think there's still a lot of potential there if they really dive into it. Oh, I agree 100%. I think they could have used that as the testing ground for their new content. They could have given people something special for doing those activities, like maybe like a very unique emblem that would make you want to try out new things in Destiny, make it interactive, make it where you can give feedback, maybe get like something cool from the Bungie store. I, I definitely think they have a lot of opportunities with Crucible Labs 
that could help to guide the future of the game. I mean, maybe even design like a really cool gun that you can let people use in the game. And if you did play Crucible Labs, it potentially would drop for you in that activity. And if it dropped for you, then you can keep it. And it's like you getting early access to something new. Yeah, I, I was envisioning they were going to do something like a PTS, a playtest server, uh, and it ended up not being that at all. I don't know if you've ever, if you guys ever done a, uh, played on a PTS in any game. Not, not that I recall. What is a PTS? Public test server, right? P- public test server, yeah. So um, a lot of games have done it, and uh, the most recent one I was involved in was uh, the Division, actually. Um, so. The division, every time they were working on a new expansion um, or even just a new sandbox change, um, they would open up play uh, a test server that was the exact game, but it was had all the changes made to it, um, and you could they would actually bring your character over, so you'd have all of your gear and everything, but they would have all the changes made to it and. They would keep it open uh, weeks, months at a time in some cases, depending on what if it was a sandbox change or if it was actually expansion. And you would get to kind of test it all out. And both you could test it out, but they could really test it out. And they had direct lines of feedback to you where you could say, this works, this does not work, this is broken, you know, you got to change this. And they would gather all that feedback, not only from the community, but from their own um, information that they would gather on their own. And before that even launched, all those community concerns would be taken care of and then launched into the game. So it was a real chance uh, for the developer and the community to, to kind of bond for that common goal uh, and come out with a product that people were a lot happier with. Um, so that was what I was envisioning for Crucible Labs, and it just did not come out that way. Yeah, I think uh, they definitely have a lot of potential with Crucible Labs, and it's really interesting to see where they take it in the future into the new season and beyond that so let's uh, let's move on to this week at bungie or twab or twab whatever you call or, it or or thwab as some people refer to Flob, really people use or the that. bungie weekly update yeah uh, <laughs> We actually have a tradition here on the show where we rate the weekly update with spicy tuna rolls between one and five. And we will do that at the end of the show, or at the end of the segment, I should say. Uh, But let's get started with the first um, mention during the weekly update. The Draw Exotic Quest is in full swing, and you can now get your last word exotic hand cannon. Have you guys done that yet? I have. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. I've done it as well. And did you guys enjoy the uh, Draw Quest mission? I did. Yeah, the the mechanic at the end was, was a lot of fun. It was. I really enjoyed that a lot actually uh it, it's actually it, it's interesting to see what they are able to do with that mechanic with new game modes that they come out with in the future because it leads to a lot of really cool possibilities yeah it's, it's something easy they could do from the looks of it and it, 
you know, everybody kind of had like a a good reaction to it. It was positive, overall positive, I would say. I think it uh, did a good job of kind of carrying that theme, you know, of really feeling that, that, like that Wild West. Space um, Western. Space Western, yeah. Um, and it, I, I think something that we forget a lot of times when we're playing Destiny is, is sometimes you just got to have fun. I mean, it, was, it wasn't something that was like super serious. Um, it was just one of those like, uh, this reminds me of, you know, arcade days when <laughs> just just having fun with with the game. So I think that was actually good. I wiped like eight times. I kept getting like destroyed oh, by yeah. the third third uh, group. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I wiped about a couple dozen times, but uh, it was a really fun mission to play through, and I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the crucible part. I I, I liked the challenge of going back into the crucible. It almost felt like the Thorn quest. Remember that, Shadow? Oh, yeah, 500 void kills. Yep. <laughs> and then if you died, you you lost. You lost points. Yeah. But back then, like you said, you had to get 500 void kills. Like, you had to use a void weapon. And there wasn't too many good void weapons at the time. Like, you tried to use Atheon's epilogue, and, oh, my God, that gun was horrible in the beginning. It didn't get good until they buffed auto rifles, like, after a few patches. I remember that. I do remember that. Good times in Destiny. So, and did you guys hear about some people complaining that the last word feels different in Destiny 2 than it did in Destiny 1? I think it, yeah, I've heard of that, and I think it's more on console. Consoles, right, yeah. It's definitely more on console. They did did mention that during the patch notes, or during the This Week at Bungie? And they will be addressing it in the near future. Because it feels saucy on PC. I like it. Yeah. Also, the Whisper quest line is now available to all Destiny 2 players all week long from Monday through Sunday. I, I think um, this is an example of where Bungie did it right. Um because I think it's even though it's available to everybody now, it, they waited long enough to where you still you know felt like um, if you got in there and did it, that it was worth it to you, and you were still you know unique and still had that um, you could be proud that you got it already. Um, and once they open it up to everybody, you know you don't feel like oh man, you know now it's not as unique anymore because you had enough time to kind of enjoy the weapon. Um, and and be those people that actually got in there and got not only the weapon but got the ship in, as well. Because uh, I'm actually still uh, when they relaunched it where it was available to everybody, I was actually getting hit up to help people do the whisper <laughs> again. So it was kind of fun to jump back in there with people that still hadn't got it yet. Yeah, and I heard that somebody soloed it like with a Titan um, bottom tree arc Titan using Skullfort. There were so many enemies; they were able to just extend their super for the length of the of of the of the fight, all the way to the bottom, and just shoulder charging the crap out of everything, <laughs> smashing it and extending the super. <laughs> and that's pretty neat. Wow. Yeah, so I definitely I I, I would be down to try that because that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, that would be a fun fun thing to do for sure, and I think it's really cool that it's available to all players. I think in the before you had to have the Warmind expansion, if I'm not mistaken. 
Or was it I think so. Everybody? I think it was. I think it was Warmind expansion. Yeah, had to have the yeah. Warmind. Yeah. Well, now <laughs> as long as you have Destiny Two, you can go ahead and get it, which is really nice, also for them to do. Yeah, and not having to wait around for RNG to bless you with the correct mission or correct uh, public event is <laughs> nice for those yeah. people trying to get it now. Right. They made it easier. I think this is a prime example of how to do this the right way. I agree with you. I think that Bungie can definitely learn for future content releases, and this could also help them to create uh, catch-up mechanics so people can catch up and get to the, the higher light level without having to struggle so much. Definitely. I agree. So moving on, we're going to talk about getting the clan back together. There was a pretty large focus on clans uh, this week during the uh, weekly update from Bungie. And they talked about the design goals by Bungie and they noted two things. One, to create stronger clans where players can make new friends in Destiny and also to create stronger incentives for clans to play with their clanmates. Uh, they also mentioned that they received community feedback, that it was difficult to rank up if you're in a smaller clan, and also that too much emphasis was put on daily bounties in Destiny 2. So their response to this were a number of changes that were going to be introduced with Season of the Drifter, that's coming out in March, and they mentioned quite a few things here that they will be changing in the coming update, in, or rather, in the coming season. They will be returning to Destiny 2 clan progression system where you can play any activity to gain clan XP. Your daily clan bounties are now being retired and removed from the game uh, for clans. They will have three weekly bounties in the upcoming season consisting of PvP, PvE, and raid activities. They are also changing the banner progression where for rank 3 you earn mod components and upon com a weekly bounty completions. For rank 4 you earn enhancement cores upon weekly bounty completions. And during rank 6 you get the fourth weekly bounty that is unlocked, but they did not specify what that bounty is. Uh, then you have for Tier 5, for Season 6, Crucible and Strike Catalysts have an increased drop rate when playing with clanmates. And that is going to be the special perk during Tier 5 in Season 6. That's pretty cool. So that's Rank 5? Yep. Oh, okay. That's the Tier 5 perk in Season 6. The Crucible and Strike Catalyst have an increased drop rate when you're playing with a clan clanmate. So if we're playing a Nightfall together, we have an increased chance of getting that Catalyst to drop for us. Incentivizing you to play with your clan. Yeah, I love that. I think that's brilliant. I'm in majorly in favor of this. <laughs> Movies, what do you think of this? Awesome. <laughs> uh, I think this is all, all of these changes that they mentioned are, are definitely uh, a great change. Um, I felt like, especially once you've once you've kind of reached the, your your cap 
you know, powerful engrams aren't necessarily the thing that you're after. Um, so it was de-incentivizing you to do a lot of that stuff for the dailies. And for me, the dailies just kept becoming a way to try to push me into PvP. Because, you know, I'll play PvP, but it's not my main focus. I'm definitely more a PvE person, and every daily bounty seemed to have a PvP thing attached to it. So it wasn't even really that fun for me to, to complete them. So the, taking those out and making it to where you just get in the game, you play whatever you want to play, do it with a clan mate, and you're going to progress, I think that's the best change they could have made. Yeah, the fact that these catalysts will have a chance to drop is more of that horizontal progression that yep. we're kind of looking for. Yeah, I agree 100%. I can finally get my Risk Runner Catalyst. For the love of God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll definitely grind out for it. And I will finally get the Catalyst for... Uh, what is that Pulse Rifle? Graviton Lance? No, not Graviton Lance. The, the primary one. Uh, primary Pulse? Sonic Pulse? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure. Oh, Vigilance Wing. Vigilance yes, Wing. Vigilance Wing. Oh, okay. Yes. I've been trying to get the Vigilance Wing Catalyst for the longest time, and I still don't have it. A lot of PvP grinding. Yeah. A lot of PvP grinding. Well, think about this. I was able to get to 2100 in comp, and I still didn't get it. <laughs> That's pretty bad. Yeah. My RNG in the game has been pretty horrible lately. You can ask Shadow Price. We would go into the forge and like every single time I go in during my powerful drops, somebody else gets that exotic, but it's not me. <laughs> How many exotics have you gotten, Shadow Price? How many thousand voices have you gotten already? Just two. Just two. That's two more than a lot of people. <laughs> two more than me. <laughs> mm. But uh, maybe tonight... I'm hoping tonight maybe I will get it. We'll see. Maybe after the podcast I'll grind out and play a little Destiny and try to get my RNG increased. They are also going to be introducing more, a few more exotic catalysts during the season of the Drifter. So I'm kind of wondering on this one if it's if they're going to, you know, actually bring in some of those weapons that we've been expecting to have catalysts that we haven't gotten yet. Uh, or if they're going to kind of release some of the ones that were tied to the faction uh, rally, or both. Hopefully both, but uh, it'd be interesting to see if they actually finally pull back in the ones from the faction rally. And if they do, what does that mean for faction rallies? Yeah, as well? what what does that mean for faction rallies? Yeah. Exactly. Like, where are they at on determining when that's coming back? And, and what form is it going to be in? Yeah, um, it, it can't come back the way it was. It has to be totally different. <laughs> I don't see it coming back this season or this upcoming season. Yeah, and if if it doesn't, I mean, they almost kind of have to bring those catalysts uh, forward because I mean, if if you didn't get them during the factory, I mean, how long has it been since you would have even been able to get those? Almost a year. Yeah, it's been a, a long time. So. Yeah. Um, You've been suffering. If you didn't get it during the last one, then wow, feel sorry for you. <laughs> yeah, that was the grind we did not appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> it wasn't my favorite grind. That is for sure. But we did it, right? Yes. 
and uh, it was in my opinion experimental for them they were experimenting with different ways that they can make it more fun and they ultimately didn't really make it more interesting in my opinion it was just very grindy um, I think it's possible we might see faction rallies come back either during Penumbra or whatever comes out in the fall honestly I think that would probably be more likely I think we're going to be getting you know micro expansion style content for the foreseeable future until the fall. Yeah, I would I would agree with that because I think um, right now they they really have to be focused on you know bang for the buck you know how much effort they're putting in and how much uh, the player base is going to get out of it. And when you look at faction rallies, if they really haven't come up with a new way to invigorate it, there's not a lot of point in them putting a lot of manpower toward it. It'd be much better to put that manpower power towards you know new content and getting the seasons done and things like that. So, yeah, I, w- I would agree. It's gonna it's gonna be a while. Yeah, and I would also think about how it fits into the theme of the season. You know, does it really fit into this? And if it doesn't, wait a season or two. It's okay because when it comes back, it will be that much more special when it is back. I would much rather them put a greater focus on building more of the Gambit-themed activities and more Drifter-type content than just bringing back faction rallies just because, oh, it wasn't there for a couple seasons. Yeah, there's something um, I was kind of thinking with part of our future discussion about the the clans and, and things like that where I think faction rallies and even clan things would fit well in the seasons themselves. Um, but there's specific things have to kind of tie into them. Um, but I'll kind of talk about that a little more later. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's move on for now. We're going to talk a lot more about clans just uh, in a little bit. Uh, but I do want to finish up with the weekly update and let's move on to powerful bounty changes during season of the drifter and first up we have ethereal keys from the last wish raid will only stack to a maximum size of five um, any unused ethereal keys after five will be lost if you do not turn them in after the current destiny 2 season is over um, furthermore, an Iron Banner, bounties from Seasons of the Forge will expire and be removed from your inventory. Do you guys have any thoughts on this? Um, it, well, that has to do a lot with the, with the, the bounties uh, being removed. They don't want people to hoard them because they're only going to, they're going to max out at 650, right? Um, and even if you don't turn them in, they're going to be removed, so you might as well turn them in before the end of the season. Yeah, I... Um, it's kind of like a PSA, basically. Yeah. You're going to lose some stuff, just letting you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I I mean, there was a lot of, I don't know, to do in the community with um, people saving up bounties and being able to kind of get that head start and things like that, and um, I personally never did that, uh, because I kind of like to, you know, embrace the content as it comes out. I, I'm not trying to, 
you know, burn through everything and then not have anything to do. Um, so it, it never really affected me. Um, I think the argument kind of came up more around when the power cap started affecting your ability to even get into the game and play it. Um, because it created this divide in the community of, you know, streamers and things like that. were like, you know, what's your problem, casual player? I'm, I'm in here playing just fine. And the casual playing, yeah, saying, well, yeah, you saved up all your stuff. And so you get a head start on everybody. And I can't get in and play the new content because I'm underleveled. Um, so I think that's where it really stemmed from was kind of that misstep. And that's where it's come to the conversation of, you know, creating those systems that can help you know, players level up faster uh, to get to new caps and things like that. So I think it's I think overall uh, for the, the health of the community, I think it's a good change uh, to do that because that takes that argument away. It's everybody uh, on a level playing field, too. It, exactly. So whether it's good or bad or or ugly, I think it's overall a good decisions. Anytime you can take a conflict out of the equation, it's a good thing. So, Yeah, I definitely agree with that as well. I feel that creating a more equal start to the new content is actually very important because if you give some teams a head start, it's not fair when they try to get to Worlds first, for example, and it creates a very uneven game that's not balanced properly. I think that everybody starting at the same playing field is great and creating the mechanics that allow a player who didn't reach that level to catch up to you, that's really important to have because you want to make a game that's welcoming to all players, not just people who are really hardcore about the game, but people who maybe enjoy the game casually but do want to come back and enjoy the new content. So give them that opportunity, and that's really important as well. Yeah, actually going out and playing the content and not hoarding the bounties and getting an unfair advantage right off the get-go. Yeah. Well, I think um, it also... I think there's becoming this kind of stigma in the gaming community where because you know streamers it is their job to play a game and they will eat up content way faster than ever was intended and it's it's putting a lot of pressure on developers to to meet that need and that's not your average player i mean that is a, a small percentage of the the community but they have a lot more uh clout as it were uh and a, a bigger voice when it comes to kind of giving feedback and I think there's this unhealthy leaning toward that as being the norm when it's not. Um, so I, I think it's it's affecting how developers handle the content that they put out. And I think it's it's actually a good means to kind of stop that from happening. Uh, to say, hold up, you know, we don't need to pump out this content as fast as it seems because this is the 10% of the community that's burning through this. So this is like, well, we'll just stop them from burning through it. <laughs> uh, and hey, maybe the streamers will actually enjoy the game a little longer. I think uh, it's really interesting, and I'm personally not a big fan of stockpiling um, engrams and using exploits like farming prime engrams. Some people did that in order to get to that light level so they can get worlds first. And mm -hmm. I don't think that's a fair practice, and it makes a very inauthentic game that feels like it's rigged and not really fair to all players who are trying to maybe get 
through the raid on the first day. It's cheesing it. Let's let's be honest. They're they're yeah. cheesing their way. Yeah. So any mechanic that is implemented that prevents that from happening, I'm all for that. Now moving on, the weekly update also talks about several known issues in Seasons of the Forge that came with the new update. Uh, the four things they mention are as follows. Uh, compound ether and unstable radiolaria. We have identified an issue preventing compound ether from dropping from fallen fourth basics sniper rifle frame and unstable radiolaria from dropping from vex for the basic bow frame. They are investigating deployment for this fix at this time. Uh, furthermore, they are missing weapon frames. We have identified an issue causing weapon frames to go missing from players' inventories, and that is currently being investigated as well. The temptation in the draw quest, players are reporting some confusion over progression about the temptation step for the draw quest to make progress on this quest a player must defeat other guardians in the crucible each time a player dies in the crucible they will lose some progression towards completion i don't really see that as an issue i kind of understood that did you guys have an issue with understanding that part that's just people bitching about <clears throat> playing pvp basically for, for well, and that was what was confusing to me was I completely understand people, you know, complaining, oh, I've got to go into PvP. But this this was like a complaint of not understanding the actual step, like how, you know, what it actually meant, which, I mean, that's, I, how do you misinterpret that? It specifically says. It says it right on the quest. Yeah, it says it right on the quest. It says, you know, if you die, you lose progression. I mean, it's, it's not that you know, complicated. So when I heard that the first time, and I think even the fire team chat kind of talked about it, it was like, really? You know, people were confused by that quest step. How? <laughs> I mean, yeah. it was it was really clear. So I was uh, I was kind of taken aback by when I heard that, and I, I still don't understand where that even came from. Wow. Yeah. And uh, finally, we have the conversation part of the draw quest there are investigations around players reporting that they did not receive the last bird exotic after completing the conversation part of the draw quest they are being encouraged to restart the mission and progressing more slowly to resolve the problem <clears throat> and that concludes this week's this week at bungie and in our tradition, we are going to give it some spicy tuna rolls between one and five. How would you guys rate this week's TWAB? 3.5 again for me. They're all PSAs. Everything's pretty much PSAs through this whole weekly update. Um, I will give it a four out of five spicy tuna rolls. Uh, I agree. I mean, it definitely is PSA, but... <clears throat> I think in that regard, it's they're at least communicating, <laughs> and I think there's a lot of you know positive changes that are coming in this one, uh, you know between the bounties, um, uh, all the clan changes that are coming, a um, lot of good stuff. I think the whisper uh, was definitely a, a big uh, change that was going to be definitely positive for the community, and 
I, I think will bring some players back in because um, they're, they're going to be excited to try to get that. Um, so, yeah, I give it a four out of five. You know, you're making me um, you're convincing me. I'm going to change my score. Four out of five. Good, good, good argument there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I would give it a four out of five for the same reasons that movies gave. I think the incoming clan changes are very positive, and just the notion that a friend of mine who I introduced to Destiny, he now has the vanilla Destiny 2 experience, he can now play the Whisper mission with me and actually get his Whisper. I think that's really awesome that they opened that mission up. I also love all of the changes that are coming to clans. We will be able to join up during strikes and farm catalysts that we are missing. Like I think that's pretty cool. Also, they confirmed we're getting new catalysts with the new season. I think that's pretty awesome. And they're balancing out the game to make it more fair for all players who are going to be starting the new season of content in the upcoming season. So all changes that are welcoming and it really shows that they're taking the lessons that they're learning from the current season and they're implementing these changes into their new content that's going to be dropping next. And now I really want some spicy tuna. Damn. <laughs> Me too. Mm-hmm. So moving on, this is a conversation that I really wanted to have and I was really excited to have movies on the show for this one. And we're going to talk about the state of clans in Destiny. Obviously, in the upcoming season of The Drifter, Bungie is going to introduce a number of changes to make clans better, to make it more engaging. Rocky wants to be on the show. He wants yeah, he he wanted his time. He's like, man, you got all this time? You're hogging Rocky all the Rocky really wanted up. some airtime. I apologize about that. <laughs> so we're going to talk about State of the Clans in Destiny 2. In the upcoming season of The Drifter, Bungie will be introducing some changes that will help make clans better, fun, and more engaging. We're going to share our thoughts on clans and Destiny and ways that we think clans can be improved upon in the new season of The Drifter and future updates that will take place in Destiny 2. And I'm really excited to have I Love Your Movies on this episode to have this conversation more so. Hopefully I won't disappoint. So let's start by talking about what you guys think about the current state of clans in Destiny. Um, okay. Um, I would say that the current state of clans is that it is a non-factor. Uh, it's basically been reduced to another way to get powerful ingrams with just the daily bounties and things like that. It really doesn't have that impact of of being able to have that pride and say I belong to this clan. I mean, even in the IGN clan, you know, sometimes you get griefed because they see that IGN on there. <laughs> but other than that, it's not. There's nothing in the game that says you know I'm proud to be in my clan. I'm. Uh, this is what we've accomplished or what we've accomplished together. So I, I think it it really is just that non-factor at this point. And I'm going to piggyback off that statement. 
Corn, you remember something in um, uh, what was it? Call of Duty when we played uh, what was it? Call of Duty Ghosts. You remember something called Clan Wars? You remember that? I do. How can I forget? Yeah. So it was basically just a series of you know because it was all PvP oriented. But you literally went and played with your clan on all these different game modes, and you got points for your clan during Clan Wars to progress to the next uh, to tier and things like that. And there were big, there were nice ward, rewards and incentives for getting higher up on the leaderboard and everything. And I think something like that would um, bring some people in and would want to play more because they would be more incentivized because they could create some awesome clan loot that you can get for doing it. Clan-specific loot and whatnot. I think that would be something cool. I think that would be an awesome idea. And I think there are so many ways that they can improve upon the clan experience. I think that it was kind of a good start. You know, they kind of built the foundation, but they really need to add a lot of meat and potatoes to the clan system in this game to really make the whole experience more meaningful to make it something that we can collectively do together and i'm really happy that they're starting to think about what a clan means in destiny and what features and functionalities they want for clans to have moving forward because i think clans are a very very important thing in a video game that brings people together which is if you think about it at the core of what destiny is it's a it's a game that you play with people or against people it's a collaborative experience for most people imagine the races that you'll see on twitch and things like that 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 will bring the twitch directory back to destiny 2 like so many more people will tune in because they're going to see these exciting races taking place not only in pvp but pve like have some strike you know clan wars and you know raid clan wars and things like that and there's so many things that gambit clan wars sky's the limit yeah that would be pretty awesome what do you think movies about that um well i don't know if we i'll skip ahead a little bit because kind of talking about um features and things that can make it more interesting and more engaging um I really kind of gave some thought to this one, and it, I've thought back to other games, just like you were talking about, uh, that have kind of done similar systems. And uh, one that kind of came to mind was For Honor. I don't know if any of you guys played that one at all. Uh, I haven't played it. It's free on um, PlayStation uh, Plus uh, this yeah. month. So It's definitely a very unique experience. I had actually a lot of fun in it. The, the, the melee combat is second to none it's pretty amazing but uh they had you know true faction wars uh every time you logged into the game there was a giant world map uh and everything that um each faction did went toward that and you could actually see um you know parts of the map being taken over by specific factions um and i think they could do something like that with clans as well mm-hmm. where it was you know, kind of your clan PV event, you know, versus, you know, whatever enemy in the game, whether it be Cabal or whoever, um, and have it last, like, through a season or have it last for, like, three months, um, where, uh, like, 
it would have been amazing to see this tied to like the Dreaming City because we have that story progression of how that we're fighting back the darkness, and you could actually have you know already have the mechanics in the game where every kill is tracked, you know every all that information is there. So imagine everything you did in the game, every kill that you did, that your clan did, you went toward that you know that entire progression. And as far as kind of making that a reward and what it really meant, uh, it could be something where your clan, it's a new exotic weapon or a new uh, exotic piece of armor that actually has lore attached to it that has your clan name in it. You know, say something like, you know, this specific battle was the turning point that made us be able to, you know, overtake the Taken in the Dreaming City. And it was this clan that, you know, was that you know linchpin for the whole uh, battle, and that could be built into a specific lore that's in the game and could be recognized by you know everybody in the community um, and attached to that specific weapon. And that weapon could be something where your entire clan gets it, and then it's put into the loot pool for the rest of the community to get uh, just through normal RNG. And once they get it, they can see that and say, "Oh, that clan did this." And kind of talking back to what you were talking about, you know, on Twitch. You know, you know these these clans would be like, oh, I've I've got to get this many points. I've got to you know do these types of activities because, you know, our clan is on this point in the rankings, and I think it would um, give something more lofty for them to come together and actually strive toward together. Yeah, like a legendary armor set or something mm-hmm. like that that you can get, yeah. like you know, or a legendary armor set with um with ornaments um mm-hmm. on it on them and everything. To sh- that shows like things about your clan, like you know maybe like a logo even uh, for like yep. a clan or something like that. You know it'd be pretty cool. I think even like uh, having a, a clan specific title attached to it. You know that that's kind of a big thing people are chasing now. You know whether it be Wayfarer, Dredgen, yada yada yada. What if your title was your was your clan or the name of that battle that you won or or something like that that you could kind of display just out in the wild in the world. Yeah, and then when you went to the tower, there would be like a loudspeaker. It would say what clan like won and everything like that over yeah. the like loudspeaker yeah. and everything. That would be I mean, really the, awesome. The entire tower has your clan banner. Yes. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And they can totally do that because they do that with the events for like the dawning and you know uh, for Crimson Days and during the faction war, faction rallies and things like that. So, yeah. Imagine if clans got their own unique set of pinnacle drops that were unique to them. Or if during clan activities, you were able to get certain things that you couldn't get otherwise. For example, a weapon that you can only get as a clan doing something and it's RNG based. So it drops from a boss, but you have to play with a full clan in order to get it or a seal like clan master that you earn through completing a set of different triumphs in the game that allow you to earn that and you have to do that collectively as a clan or playing through raid content as a clan and everything is specifically made for clans to do together to encourage players to play together and join clans and be active in the community to enable you to do that, but also to give you the drops that would incentivize you to go and play those activities. Like, imagine if we got a chance to play through the Nightfall, but the 
endgame drop from the nightfall was a very unique set of armor that had a very unique glow that symbolizes that you completed this activity as a clan and it gives you special perks and special abilities when you play as a clan yeah i think they even take it like even a step further where so you have clan specific armor sets and then with the perk it has something similar like rat king The, the more clan members you have the more damage you do um things like that where it would really encourage you to get together with your clan because it makes you more efficient in the game yeah like realistically how do you soon do you think that they could implement these changes what what's the realistic timeline i think as far as um perks and things like that all those mechanics exist in the game um so I, I think those would be pretty easy tweaks. Um, and as far as developing the armor, uh, there actually was a, a recent uh, Twitter conversation between one of the um, the lead art designers that was talking about uh, how long it takes them to bring D1 content into D2. Roderick Wise, I believe, I think his name was. I think so. Roderick Roger, Roger yeah. Wise, yeah. And he was kind of talking about, you know, average of like three to four weeks to kind of build, you know, an asset. Uh, of course, when, you know, D1, it was, you know, if they're bringing it forward, it takes them like up to two weeks to bring it forward. So it does take a lot of work. But, you know, three to four weeks to build out, you know, clan armor that you could easily just have like a skin or something like that to apply your specific clan banner to or something like that. I wouldn't think it would take too much development time, probably no more than it would to create any other armor piece that they do. So they should do is look at all of your strikes in the game. They have quite a few strikes. Build out unique armor for every single strike in the game and make them drop from nightfalls. And all you have to do from there is create a unique skin of that that applies to clans it could be a a very special color of that armor piece that's a different variant or it could have a different shine to the game something that would minimize their efforts but one make people play nightfalls two make clans play nightfalls specifically to get the very special variant of that drop yeah i mean they could extend it you know with other pieces of gear, weapons, through other activities as well, and things like that. Maybe some different ornaments and whatnot. Yeah, mods, yeah. mods, you know, some, you know, they could tie mods in as well. Definitely. I th- also think that they can make it where you get raid drops as well as playing as a clan. If you get special rewards for that, if they are able to recognize, okay, well, an entire clan in this fire team did this specific activity and we're going to recognize that and reward the team accordingly. Do you think any of these uh, changes that they're talking about with clans and things like that had something to do with uh, the recent visit from some, um, some of the people in the destiny community to Bungie? No, I think that the clans, the clan thing was planned for, quite some time but they had to prioritize different things and different content releases i think that the reason why they had a number of people visit 
it was to give feedback on the next content drop for them to make sure that they were going to get it right. So they essentially beta tested what's next and or gave maybe, feedback on what they currently played. And maybe show them what they're looking to do with clans, like probably going forward, probably. And things like that. Sure, I don't know if they specifically let people test anything out, but they definitely mentioned it and talked about it because it's something that's important enough to them for them to feature in a weekly update. Yeah. And I do also think that it would be pretty cool for them to add more emotes that are clan specific, to add more emblems and even more more game modes, maybe daily uh, clan adventures that we can do as a clan. And if you get specific drops from clans, how about this? What if we got clan-specific armor, and the only way to upgrade it is through materials that we can acquire from playing things like clan adventures? So now you have more of an incentive to play through different daily things and weekly things as a clan to progress and get this special gear. As long as the gear provided good say like perks and different good stats and stuff like that but yeah i mean it'd be cool because it's more content and it's content to play with clans so yeah i mean it it, it would be interesting um yeah i think it's i mean it would introduce another kind of economy into the game um but i think it would be one that would be worth it to do so because it would uh it would give you a reason to play with your clan i mean as long as as long as any clan can get that similar type of armor as long as they get together and play for it and do it um then you don't have to worry about balancing issues or people being left out um even with a smaller clan you just have to make sure the economy is is good enough to accommodate smaller clans uh so i think it's definitely a good idea um I think even even like simple things like reusing some of the information that's already in the game, like for example, you've got when you're playing, you you get a little pop up on your screen that says you know a thousand XP from your clan. You you don't know what caused that. You don't know who did it. You don't know any of that information. Um, what if it, we had kind of uh, within our own clan, like leaderboards that you could look at and say, you know, this particular person in our clan, you know, got the raid done, you know, um, even just little things like that, that are information that they could just reuse that's already in the game just to kind of promote that camaraderie with, and it actually would promote you getting to know uh, your clan, especially in a larger one. If you've got a hundred people in your clan, you might have those, you know, six people that you play with on a regular basis. But if you see somebody, you know, this group of six people are constantly, you know, doing the raid, it might make you want to reach out to more people that are inside your clan and, and uh, play with them more. Yeah, recognition. That's mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. Yeah, my, my current issue with clans is that the only incentive that you're really offered is that maximum light level if you think about it, and if you're already at that maximum light level, there's really no reason to go and visit um, Hawthorne and to get those bounties and to do them. And also, once you reach rank 5, I believe, in your clan banner, your progression pretty much stops. Yep. 
and at that point there's no reason for you to keep playing and they really need to give us more incentive to keep playing create leaderboards that you can that's why it looks like they're also going to give rank six like it says the fourth weekly bounty will be unlocked so it's yeah. uh, another incentive uh, one more i guess another character possibly <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited to see that they're they're looking at those because they're a little meh as far as what rewards you get out of you know getting your getting up to a you know rank four. They're okay, but they're not really game changing. So I'm glad to see that they're actually looking at that and, and looking to change that because it, if it doesn't really impact your day to day gameplay, then it's not impactful. You know, I, I feel like it should be things that are. You get more damage once you reach a level, or you get more resistance against a specific enemy. You know, something that actually affects your gameplay. Yeah. Are you guys in favor of having like clan-specific nightfalls and ad- adventures? It might be hard for them to implement. Like that's something that you know, I'm sure that you make it a requirement that you can only play in that activity as a clan. And the only thing really different is that your drops are going to be different. They might be, you know, a little bit different than what other people get. So essentially, you would have to enter the same activity, but they can recognize, okay, this is a full clan playing the game. And they can already do that because I know they have something like that implemented into their Sherpa system, the guided games. So it can recognize if you have at least two clan members playing that activity i think um if you gate off the ability to even get into the activity then you run a risk of uh those people that don't have a clan or play solo uh not having good experience i I think getting extra rewards for that from that activity playing as a clan is definitely a great idea uh but completely blocking people out of it period i wouldn't think so so the way you do it is you essentially make it the same activity, but it just recognizes if you are a full clan, it can give you a special extra tier of uh, drops. Better RNG for exotics, better RNG for any any number of ways I could do that. But yeah, definitely. Yeah. That would be cool. And um, finally, I had an idea for them to add Bungie.net rewards into clans so if you complete a specific milestone you can purchase for example a t-shirt with your clan name on it or you can purchase a special item that symbolizes the clan that you are part of that will be tougher for them to implement because there's just so many clans Mm-hmm. Well, if you think about it, they can customize a name, right? You can always have the clan leader create the logo for the clan, and they can make it where specific clan group gets access to this specific shirt that was made slightly different with how we get the Moments of Triumph shirt. So yeah, I think doable. if you... Yeah, I think if you attach it to kind of what I was talking about earlier, where you, you have an event that lasts like three months and there is one clear clan that wins it. I think something like that could be applied to that. Uh, Cause I mean, they, they even did it with the shirts now where you could get your gamer tag put on the sleeve, uh, which I, I did that one guilty. I bought that. <laughs> oh, I did. Too. Uh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So, but I think uh, I think Shadow has a good point where you know if it was something where it was uh, something that every clan could do, that would probably be too much. But if it was attached to more of a specific clan ward, uh, clan war reward that was you know one winner and it lasted for three months, I think that would give them plenty of time and you know manpower to be able to satisfy something like that. Even if the clan had a hundred people in it, you know they could do it. So. We can all agree that clans do have um, improvements that could be made in Destiny 2. And I'm really excited to see some of the changes take place in the upcoming season and beyond that. And I think we're going to realize a lot more this fall with what Clan Wars will become. And I'm excited to see that. If it's Clan Wars, that'd be nice. (laughs) Or clans, I should say. I'm a little hopeful about Clan Wars. Mm-hmm. Clearly. That would be so awesome. Or even, yeah, just call it something else. Call it Guardian Wars. Mm. If you're worried about taking like the name from other games that call them Clan Wars, like you know they did in Call of Duty. If you don't want to be associated with Activision anymore, you know. So let's move on to the next topic on the show. Because you can't call it Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> space magic wars <laughs> that's awesome so let's move on to the next topic on the show we're going to talk about the last word exotic hand cannon and the draw quest line that was just recently released and at this point I'm pretty sure we all completed our quest and we did get the last word Correct. Affirmative. Awesome. Do you guys have any thoughts on the quest itself? Uh, yeah, quest is good. I like the quest. I like what you have to do, you know, to get the weapon. It's, you know, makes sense. The the lore that you get is pretty cool, too. So you get some background while you're acquiring it. So I like it. Yeah, I'm in favor. And it's a multi-tiered quest line. There's about seven or eight steps to it. It concludes with a mission that you do. It's not a very long mission, uh, but you do have to complete it on solo, so you can't bring a fire team with you. And once you complete the mission, there's a really cool, unique uh, mechanic for how you beat the, I guess, the bosses. And it's a pretty unique fun way to end uh, the mission and reward you with the last word now do you guys have any thoughts on the hand cannon itself yeah i like it i like it a lot it's um takes me back um reminds me of uh last word in d1 so it's pretty much more of the same it's not too much different maybe just a little bit different recoil i would say Sometimes the ghosting is a little more prominent when you're trying to shoot and it doesn't land the bullets all the time. Um, like the bloom, the bloom can be uh, very noticeable. So, but uh, I love it. I love it paired with a sniper rifle. I love it paired with a shotgun. I like it paired with a fast firing scout. I'm getting a lot of play with it in Crucible right now and I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I think, um, I think it's a. It's a it's a good example of a weapon that you really have to kind of work to be able to use it. And there's a lot of there's a bad tendency for people to 
to kind of like every weapon has to be bigger, better, faster than the, the weapon before it. I mean, it's it's okay to have a weapon that has some downsides and some upsides. It's it makes it a little more interesting weapon to use, and I think um, I think the last word definitely accomplishes that because you have this completely different reaction to the gun whether you're hip firing or adsing like it's almost a completely different weapon and it, it forces you to re-strategize depending on how you're using it um so a, ga- a gun that makes you kind of think before you shoot is kind of fun yeah it is definitely more of a uh, hip fire weapon you're rewarded for hip firing and getting kills with it as far as the uh bonus perks for you know after you're getting the kills it just that's its play style that's how it was in d1 as well you're literally a a space cowboy with that weapon now would you specifically recommend it in crucible oh absolutely absolutely it is a it is an aggressive weapon you know it is literally you you are basically like you're hunting with that weapon because it has a fast kill potential with it you can literally you could you could shut down shotgunners with it. People coming rushing at you with shotgunners, like there used to be not so much defense for people with rushing at you with shotgun. This will shut them down because it fires so fast. And if people are trying to run right at you in a straight line, you just boom, 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 and take them out. Yeah, I think that um, it's there's definitely a, a skill ceiling with this gun as opposed to some other ones. But I think it it fills a, a need for those people that you know don't want to do Luna's How and, and go through that grind, but they still want a, a weapon that performs really well in PvP. And I think this fills that. Um, and not only does it fill it from just a damage standpoint, but you know it, it's just a fun weapon to use. Like um, when, the when you, sound, you, the, the sound, sound, the feel oh of God. it. When you when you take somebody down that's flying across the screen and just pop 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 and they hit the ground, you know it's just it just feels good. It definitely does, and you get a fast reload on it too. So you're literally, yeah, you only get eight bullets, but you're reloading really quick, and those you're getting you're getting a chance to fire them again really yeah. quick afterwards. So I mean, yeah, for me, like the way they brought it back, the way it feels, it feels great. It feels like the, it did in D one. Yeah, I, I've been really enjoying uh, using the last word, especially in Crucible. It feels exactly the same to me as it did in D1. I've been playing it on PC, so I haven't really been impacted by any of the issues that people are experiencing on console. And it's great to see it come back into the game. I don't really understand why they took it away to begin with. But it's great that we have it back, and it was a fun quest for me to play through to get the weapon. And now that I have it, it's it's becoming my go-to in the Crucible. I think it is more hard-hitting than uh, Ace of Spades, and I've been I've been enjoying it so far. Well, the thing with Ace is it's it's more a precision weapon. You you're aiming down sights with it. You're you're literally aiming every shot. You know that that that's the difference, and that's how they're you know. You're getting less per shot damage with the last word, but you're firing faster. It's a faster firing gun. Well, I think that some of the some of the complaints that have come from you know console users with you know, the amount of recoil and your ADSing, I, I think that some of the uniqueness about the weapon is 
it forces you to change how you shoot the weapon because if you are ADSing and you actually slow down your shot to more of like a 180 or you know 150 180 frame then you actually start seeing that accuracy and you start seeing that damage like you would get from you know ace of spades or you know trust or something like that you start actually getting that so you're almost getting two weapons in one and it fits multiple playstyles, and you can. It really gives you that versatility. Is but it's about learning that yes, this is a space cowboy gun that you're meant to fire really fast. But if you watch a western, they're doing a hip fire. They're not ADSing. <laughs> so when you're ADSing, you exactly. just have to stop and think. Okay, I need to treat this more like one of the other weapons because now I'm ADSing and it's going to react completely differently. So I think if people approach it that way they won't have as many complaints about it because it makes a lot more sense because uh, it forces you to slow down and make the gun feel like a 150 or a 180 as opposed to, was it like 224 or something like that that's on there for this one? When, when you're at hip fire, you can just blaze through it. Yeah, but, it, it, it fires as fast as the fastest firing scouts pretty much when you're right. this thing off. So. And hip fire, that completely makes sense. But if you are if you were able to ADS and still keep that speed and that accuracy... That, it would be OP instantly. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, that's the thing is just the tendencies of the weapon. Knowing when to hip fire, knowing when to aim in for sometimes when you need to aim in for that precision shot, like right before their health is, uh, you know, you want to get that la- that precision hit in yeah. and everything. So, yeah, it's all just learning the feel of the weapon and its tendencies and whatnot. And I think it's one of those things where, I mean, the gun hasn't been out that long. So it's... I think people need to be more patient with their opinions in some cases. Well, yeah, people who didn't play Destiny 1 has, yeah. have not experienced that weapon. I have. I use that weapon a ton in D1. So that's why it's very familiar to me, and I can give an honest you know, synopsis of it and everything, yeah. too, because I, it's familiar. And that's what I love about Destiny. I, I, familiarity. That's why I like when things come from D1 into D2, because... It's that connection, that connection that you're getting. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. As far as the Ace of Spades go, um, because you're you're, you're aimed on sights with Ace of Spades, and it still has, you know, if you hit your shots, the same kill potential. With the last word, like I said, you're you're hip-firing a lot of times on the target. So, I mean, they both are very viable right now in, in, in the Crucible. It's hard to say which one's better than the other, I think Ace of Spades is probably more of a, um, I would say it's more consistent because you literally aim each shot, but you, you're, you're all, you're rewarded for your aggressive play with the last word. That's what I'll say. Yeah. I think it's, it's really hard to compare them because they really are meeting completely different needs as far as play style is concerned. Uh, I mean, if you're, if you're looking at comp or, you know, precision and, Every headshot counts. It's hard to, you know, compare like Luna's, even Ace of Spades, um, to a, a gun that is meant to be played really aggressively in, in a hip fire, and um, it fits a very specific niche style of play. So if you are that niche style of player, then I think it could be on the same level, but it's more about being in your hands as opposed to the gun it's by itself. So that's the real issue of kind of comparing those is the guns. It's, it's, it's hard to say because 
they have similar damage, similar um, fire rates, things like that. But it really is about the player with last word than it is about the stats. Right. I mean, the impact is higher on the on the Ace of Spades. If you can just look right. at, but it just yeah. you know. So if you get true headshots with Ace of Spades, it's going to do more damage. Yep. But the thing is, with the last word, it fires faster. Yeah. So. So if you can be relatively um, accurate with the last the last word, then a lot of times you could beat out somebody with Ace of Spades because you can get more lead down the field faster. So it really is about the player, and that which is kind of exciting. It's kind of exciting to see those people that really can rein in the last word and and use it efficiently. They could really kind of turn the tide on some of those weapons that are holding down you know Crucible right now. Yeah, well that's, said. that's really interesting. Yeah. Now, do you guys think that the the last word can become the new meta in Crucible? It already is. People are. It's it's everywhere. <laughs> the gun is literally everywhere in Crucible right now. <laughs> yeah, I think it's everywhere because people are trying it out uh, and trying to learn how to use the gun. Um, but then there's the D1ers that know how that gun is, know how right. good that gun is and everything. Yeah. I, I think we'll see in a few weeks if it really becomes meta because kind of what I was mentioning before, there is a bit of a skill gap there. Uh, so a lot of times weapons that become meta is because it's it's easy for anyone to use it and be effective. Uh, so even you know potato aims like me <laughs> could actually still kill really effectively with it. With it. Whereas I feel like last word, there is a little bit of a learning curve with it. So if people get there quickly, I think it definitely will become meta. But I think there's that kind of that learning curve where some people will drop off if they don't get it fast enough, if they don't kind of learn how to use the weapon fast enough. So I would say give it a little time and then we'll know for sure if it's meta or not. But I think the potential is there for sure. Yeah, the good thing with this weapon, it pairs so well with other weapons. Mm-hmm. Like, and it, it complements, like, scouts. It complements a shotgun. complements a sniper rifle very well, basically. Like, it, you, you, you tap somebody with a sniper and you finish them off with the last word, you know, or, yeah. or vice versa. So Yeah, I was seeing a lot of people kind of trying out bows and snipers to kind of get that initial damage and then finish them off with the last word. Um, things like pairing it with Lucky Pants. Because it gets you that draw faster. I got to do that. I got to do that. Yeah. Something I got to do. Yeah. So uh, there's definitely a, a lot of uh, potential to get some synergy in your builds and, and really uh, kind of change the way you play. Well said. Now, if you were to give a review of the last word from what you have played so far, how would you review it? I'll let Shadow uh, go first on this one, since he's played with it a lot longer than I have, as far as D1 and everything. <laughs> you mean like a, a number score? Yeah, or one, one ten. Oh, I, I'd say it's a solid probably nine. It's a nine. Yeah, definitely. I have to agree with you there. Yeah, it's, it's definitely up there. I would give it a nine out of ten as well. Its kill potential is very, very high. Get- so I, I would um, I'm definitely a big PVE person and I and I when I'm grading a gun I look at both PVP and PVE. Oh yeah, um, that. So I would probably put it probably uh, seven out of ten, eight out of ten. If we're including PVE, yeah, I, I guess I would probably do the same, seven point five or something like that. But if it's strictly PVP, this thing's a nine. Yeah, for sure. 
for PvP, I would definitely say a nine. Uh, the main thing for PvE that keeps it a little bit lower, surprisingly, is actually the handling for me. Uh, the the gun feels a little heavy when you're moving left to right, and if you don't think so, go into blind well where you're constantly retargeting. Put on a midnight coup, shoot some things, and then put on the last word and shoot some things, and you'll see how heavy it feels when you're trying to re uh, realign your targets left or right. Because uh, you can even see it in the numbers and the handling. The handling is quite a bit lower on the last word than it is the coup. So, uh, and as far as like damage, the initial shot damage is slightly higher than the coup, but that rampage damage on the coup just outmatches it almost instantly. But it there's the fun factor. So I think that's something that kind of keeps it at the top for me in, in the higher ranges because it is a fun gun to use, period. Yeah, so. yeah. this is a PvP weapon. Through yeah, through. for sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. You use yeah. this gun to kill other Guardians. Yes, say. exactly. <laughs> definitely. It is, it is definitely intended for PvP. It's always been a PvP weapon, so not to be surprised by that. Uh, but yeah, it's a great gun. I would give it a 9 out of 10 as well. I think it's great. And the execution of this quest line was great. There were no major issues with it. I think they did mention that some people had an issue with getting the gun to drop for them. I don't know how frequently that occurred. I think people were getting stuck. You know, they got glitched on the mission like a couple of times, like going through the wall like oh to the next part that happened to me so. a couple times yeah you had to restart the mission yeah if you're going too quickly apparently it uh it wants you to slow down <laughs> so yes yeah, so that was that was a pretty fun fun mission and i didn't have too many issues with it and uh this week uh in destiny 2 we have a number of changes that took place including New Nightfalls, the Pyramidian, Strait, and Warden of Nothing. Are you guys chasing after any of those? Um, yeah, probably the rocket launcher and uh, the hand cannon from Warden of Nothing. So eventually, I gotta hop in there and do those. Yeah, same for me. And the definitely Strange Terrain because the the rocket launcher is the only thing preventing me from getting my Wayfarer title. Oh, really nice! Congratulations. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, the flashpoint this week is Nessus. Then we have the Dreaming City. The cycle is back to being weak. For the Ascendant Challenge, we have the Agonarch Abyss in the Bay of Drowned Wishes. And uh, for Shadow Price's favorite raid, we have Dogs, followed by Gauntlets, followed by Baths, followed by Callus. I'd love to go back and play the Leviathan raid. That would be fun. I mean, we could waste Callus in one phase with all, with the weapons we have now, so yeah, sure. <laughs> that is true. We can. I would love to I go s- back into it. I say we go in with nothing but last word. Play the whole raid with nothing but last word. <laughs> there you go. Challenge, challenge accepted. <laughs> that would be fun. We're going to have to plan that soon. Uh, then for Escalation Protocol, we have the Bach Litter Hunger of Zol. I think I said that right. It sounds like litter, like cat litter, <laughs> like Bach litter. Uh, sounds like it's a hive boss, so yeah, he's like made of poo and litter. <laughs> <laughs> and this poo boss will be dropping sniper rifles, submachine guns, and shotguns. All three. 
So all three are being dropped this week. If you don't have them, here's your chance. I think that the EP shotgun is one of my favorite guns in the game. I use it all the time. And I use it for both PvE and PvP. And I feel like it's the most well-rounded weapon that I have in the game. Where it's really yeah. effective in PvP and PvE. Yeah, I think uh, in PvP it, it has a little less range than some of the shotguns, but it still packs a punch and still has a fair amount of range on it. So it's it can it can get you through a tough spot for sure. And honestly, even after the nerfs they've done to it, it still is a PvE monster. You can definitely feel the difference, but it's it still can't be compared to another shotgun in PvE activities. Except for except for Acurus, I'm I'm kind of I actually haven't. Take it, dusted it off yet to see how well it's done, but I've, I've heard some good things. So Finally, we have Heroic Strikes. The burn this week is Arc Cinch, so make sure to plan accordingly if you do want to complete your Heroic Strikes for the week. They have Heroic Strikes still? Apparently. I thought that was just the Strike playlist. The Strike playlist, yeah. Okay. I was like, I thought they retired the Heroic Strikes. <laughs> Never giving that up. Come on. It's special. <laughs> I don't care how many updates you put out. So moving on, we're going to uh, move on to the last segment of the night. And that is uh, conversations from the Reddit community. Uh, let's talk about the first topic here from Reddit. Uh, the Whisper of the Worm developer team at Bungie sent out some really sweet things to the players who were first to complete the whisper mission back in july wow. they sent out a bunch of uh like an autograph wow they took like in-game wait that one of them's josh hamrick isn't it yeah oh that's cool wow with and... like a drawing of them and then one's holding the whisper that's cool yeah and it's autographed and it states the whisper was made as a tribute to our players. We're lucky to have brave guardians like you in our world. Love Bungie and the Whisper Team, 2019. And all of them autographed this, and it looks like there's Josh Hamrick in the in the picture with two other members from the Whisper Team. They're holding a Whisper weapon. That's pretty cool. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, Bungie really, like, they really do special things, like, especially for people who achieve goals in their games, like, pinnacles and, you know, who, who are, the like, the world first at things. I didn't even know this. they were doing this. This was a whole, this was a surprise to me. It makes the game more rewarding, and it makes completing something on day one for example or being world's first a lot more special to see that Bungie is doing things like this for the fans yeah, yeah it's pretty rare to see the a developer that engaged in the community so it's pretty awesome yeah definitely now moving on to our second topic from the reddit community we have Hawthorne's dialogue could be more useful. Do you agree or disagree? Uh, it's the same dialogue she's had since the beginning of D2, so yeah, probably, I would say. 
I mean, I don't know how I start my day without her going bye at me. (laughs) 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 It's some pretty dry content for sure. (laughs) Well, here's what this uh, member of the Reddit community says, and his name is ShadowM626. So thank you very much for the post. And he states, been hearing a lot about your clan, blah, blah, blah. Give me my 84th 10 paces so I can be on my way, right? So I read a lot of posts on here over the past year or so, how Hawthorne has boring lines and hasn't had anything new to add since she came to the tower. But I thought to myself, self, what if this Pancho Villa charmer had some more useful tips for you. And by you, I mean the royal you, like the blueberries. Hear me out. What if Hawthorne gave you tips on how to turn public events heroic, or remind you to bank your freaking moats for the love of the travelers something? Sorry. But yeah, she's supposed to be a seasoned veteran of the wild. If not crazy to say, she would pop off with some stuff like, you know, the batteries from Fallen Walkers drop. Will overload their shield will overload their shield generators. You know the batteries that Fallen Walkers drop will overload their shield generators? I've heard that the escape pods from the Prison of Elders have vents that hide charges that will freeze the prisoners if they escape. Or the Drifter fella says the key to depositing moats is key to fives and banks as fast as possible. Just some suggestions. As seasoned players, most of us know what we're doing or how to find information. It may not be too crazy, but it would be nice, I think. That's what this user states in his post. Uh, I don't think this is priority number one on their list. I mean, yeah, it'd be cool for them to say not just not just Hawthorne, but the other NPCs too, like the gunsmith and Shax and you know all those. But you got to bring voice actors back in and record new lines and things like that. This is definitely not number one on their priority list. I can tell you that right now. Yeah, I, okay. Like, I mean, I understand wanting to spice things up. You know, I mean, how many times can you? Hear Raul go guardian. <laughs> sound, sound like he's he's drunk or something, you know. It's but the suggestion made here. I almost want to say that this almost brings to light a problem we have in our community. You know, where rather than having the the patience to tell someone that's you know in the wild, hey, this is how you do heroic instead of taking the time to actually engage in your community and help each other, you're trying to put that onto an NPC because you're getting aggravated that quote unquote blueberries are messing up your fun. You know, why not, you know, be patient and and take the time to actually foster your community and help them instead of getting angry. So it almost, for me, it's, it shows something that's wrong with our community. Hmm, That's a really interesting point. Yeah. I, I just, Again, I, I don't think this post is like. Yeah, it's nice that this uh, user like po- po- pointed this out, but again, I, I don't think this is priority number one on Bungie's list. 
whatever is going to take place in the fall, because I don't think any lines or things like that are going to change until then. You know, they have to bring the voice actors back. Oh, I agree. And things like that to record and everything, you know? Yeah, I think these are cool, cool changes to the game that will spice things up, but I don't think they would have any impact on the core gameplay or my core enjoyment of the game. At this point, for the people who are playing the game now, for 99% of the player base, they already know how to do heroic public events, so it's not really information that they have to go and spend money on voice actors, but I do think these are cool ideas, but I think that they do have more important priorities right now that will make the game a more enjoyable experience for everyone. Yeah, I don't think the cost benefit is there. No, definitely not. But I'd good thought and uh, thank you very much for sharing this uh, post yeah so for this we are talking about the book of the unmaking that was released as part of the lore in the last word quest line yeah that's what when i was kind of reading through this that was more of what i got out of it it was it was kind of alluding to the belief system for the hive and and what it really means for them it's almost kind of like their their religion uh, if you will and it made me think back to kind of book of sorrows with uh with the krill and how they you know became you know oryx and savathun and and all that, and that story and a lot of the warnings that the leviathan gave them and even with um the promise they had to make to the Ahamkara before they got the worms. And it was kind of this, that whole story was kind of a lesson of life doesn't come without cost. It's never easy. You, if you either, even like the Leviathan was encouraging them to, you know, just live a short life because if you subjugate that and, you know, live forever, you're actually have more suffering than if you would just you know, go ahead and, live your intended lifespan so it's kind of an interesting storyline um that i feel like kind of borrowed from some other you know ideologies and and myths and things like that and it was really interesting to, to kind of see that all put together yeah they practice the sword logic that that is what they put hive practice you know yeah yep. killing to gain tribute basically yep. and there's always a bargain that's taking place yep. like there's and that's how like Oryx came to power, he was. It was originally a she. It was Orash, and mm-hmm. Orash became Oryx, the Taking King. It's it's very it's very very interesting. The Book of Sorrows has some amazing amazing story involved, and it just showcases the Hive and how they were they came as to be the Krill on Fundament and everything. And you know it just goes through their arc, how they became the Hive. And, you know, could be possibly the true darkness once Savathun comes into our solar system. Yeah, it was kind of like that, you know, the story of the Mad King. And as you're read, reading through it, you know, you, you realize that they they thought he was, you know, crazy and ultimately kind of killed him for it. But he was trying to warn them the whole time, you know, about the, the water and, and the wave that was going to destroy the planet, essentially. And so, yeah, it's a really interesting story. And that definitely encourage people to kind of dive into it. And um, I know Bife definitely has a great video that he, a series of videos that he put together for the Book of Sorrows. That's really good too. 
I was just about to say that. Yep, my yep. wife has some amazing videos that he has on this subject. Yeah. And yeah, I actually did check out Bife's uh, most recent video, which is actually really, really excellent. It's about the last word, and it's about an hour and a half long, but it's so well made. I listened to it multiple times. It was so, so good. Yeah, it, it's a it's a great listen. You know, it, it really tells the tale between the last word, Shin Melfer, and Dredgen Yor, and, you know, how that plays out. Yeah, definitely. So do check that out. I will make sure to include that in the show notes for this week's episode of The Destiny Show. And this, I guess, concludes our show. I don't know if there's anything else you guys want to add to the topic. No, I think we uh, wrap think, things up. I think that was, I think we covered it. Well, gentlemen, thank you very much for joining me today for another episode of the destiny show podcast and thank you audience for tuning in wherever you listen to podcasts we are live each and every week on thursdays on your favorite podcasting app from itunes spotify google play stitcher and any place you like to listen to your favorite podcast and i love your movies thank you very much for joining us tonight really awesome having you on the show Thanks for having. It was uh, definitely a good time, and uh, always a good time to kind of get uh, thoughts from other people and different views. And it was definitely fun. Definitely, and uh, Shadow Price. It's always great to have you on the show. And uh, where can everybody learn more about you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at ShadowPrice79. When I stream, uh, you can follow me at Twitch.tv forward slash I am Shadow Price. Awesome. And I love your movies. Do you want to share where people can learn more about you? Uh, yeah, I don't do a big uh, footprint in the social space, but you can find me at, at I Love Your Movies on Twitter. Uh, I do post videos to YouTube every once in a blue moon, but uh, if you see me running around in Destiny, hit me up. I'll, uh, I'll play with you. Awesome. And you can find the Destiny Show podcast on your favorite podcasting apps, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Anchor, Podbean, and more. You can also find us on the web at www.destinyshow.com. And you can learn more about me at OMG Cornholio on Twitter and at twitch.tv forward slash I am Cornholio. Thank you very much for tuning in for another episode of the Destiny Show podcast. And we hope you all have a great week. to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. 
Hey, hi. Do you enjoy being optimistic about bad movies? Or do you enjoy at least trying to figure out where someone worked really hard on a bad movie? Well, we've got the podcast for you. New to Robots Radio, we represent Fresh Tomatoes, the movie podcast. Each week, we look at two movies that did really badly critically, but we try to find the good in them. And we have segments such as What Could Have Saved It and Would You Watch It Again? If you're there on a Saturday night, you want to watch a bad movie, but you're not sure if it's like good bad or bad bad or if you should even bother, give us a listen. You can find us on Robots Radio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Please come and say hi. We love you already. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.